This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Essays of Francis Bacon Essay 9 Of Envy There be none of the affections which have been noted to fascinate or bewitch, but love and envy. They both have vehement wishes. They frame themselves readily into imaginations and suggestions. And they come easily into the eye, and especially upon the present of the objects, which are the points that conduce to fascination, if any such thing there be. We see likewise the scripture calleth envy an evil eye, and the astrologers call the evil influences of the stars evil aspects so that there still seemeth to be acknowledged in the act of envy an ejaculation or irradiation of the eye. Nay, some have been so curious as to note that the times when the stroke or percussion of an envious eye doth most hurt are when the party envied is beheld in glory or triumph. For that sets an edge upon envy. And besides, at such times the spirits of the person envied do come forth most into the outward parts, and so meet the blow. But leaving these curiosities, though not unworthy to be thought on, in fit place, we will handle what persons are apt to envy others, what persons are most subject to be envied themselves, and what is the difference between public and private envy. A man that hath no virtue in himself ever envieth virtue in others. For men's minds will either feed upon their own good, or upon others' evil, and who wanteth the one will prey upon the other. And whoso is out of hope to attain to another's virtue, will seek to come at even hand by depressing another's fortune. A man that is busy and inquisitive is commonly envious. For to know much of other men's matters cannot be because all that ado may concern his own estate. Therefore it must needs be that he taketh a kind of play-pleasure in looking upon the fortunes of others. Neither can he that mindeth but his own business find much matter for envy. For envy is a gadding passion, and walketh the streets, and doth not keep home. Non est curiosus, quin idem sit malevolous. Men of noble birth are noted to be envious towards new men when they rise, for the distance is altered, and it is like a deceit of the eye, that when others come on, they think themselves go back. Deformed persons, and eunuchs, and old men, and bastards are envious, for he that cannot possibly mend his own case, will do what he can to impair another's except these defects light upon a very brave and heroical nature which thinketh to make his natural wants part of his honour in that it should be said that an eunuch or a lame man did such great matters affecting the honour of a miracle as it was in narcissus the eunuch and agesilius and tamburlaine's that were lame men the same is the case of men that rise after calamities and misfortunes for they are as men fallen out with the times, and think other men's harms a redemption of their own sufferings. They that desire to excel in too many matters, out of levity and vain glory, are ever envious. For they cannot want work, 
it being impossible but many in some one of those things should surpass them which was the character of adrian the emperor that mortally envied poets and painters and artificers in works wherein he had a vein to excel lastly near kinfolks and fellows in office and those that have been bred together are more apt to envy their equals when they are raised for it doth upbraid unto them their own fortunes and pointeth at them and cometh oftener into their remembrance and incurreth likewise more into the note of others and envy ever redoubleth from speech and fame cain's envy was the more vile and malignant towards his brother abel because when his sacrifice was better accepted there was nobody to look on thus much for those that are apt to envy concerning those that are more or less subject to envy first persons of eminent virtue when they are advanced are less envied for their fortune seemeth but due unto them and no man envieth the payment of a debt but rewards and liberality rather again envy is ever joined with the comparing of a man's self and where there is no comparison no envy and therefore kings are not envied but by kings nevertheless it is to be noted that unworthy persons are most envied at their first coming in and afterwards overcome it better whereas contrariwise persons of worth and merit are most envied when their fortune continueth long for by that time though their virtue be the same yet it hath not the same lustre for fresh men grow up that darken it persons of noble blood are less envied in their rising for it seemeth but right done to their birth besides there seemeth not much added to their fortune and envy is as the sunbeams that beat hotter upon a bank or steep rising ground than upon a flat and for the same reason those that are advanced by degrees are less envied than those that are advanced suddenly and per saltum those that have joined with their honor great travels cares or perils are less subject to envy for men think that they earn their honors hardly and pity them sometimes and pity ever healeth envy wherefore you shall observe that the more deep and sober sort of politic persons in their greatness are ever bemoaning themselves what a life they lead chanting a quanta patimur not that they feel it so but only to abate the edge of envy but this is to be understood of business that is laid upon men and not such as they call unto themselves for nothing increaseth envy more than an unnecessary and ambitious engrossing of business and nothing doth distinguish envy more than for a great person to preserve all other inferior officers in their full lights and preeminences of their places for by that means there be so many screens between him and envy above all those are most subject to envy which carry the greatness of their fortunes in an insolent and proud manner being never well but while they are showing how great they are either by outward pomp or by triumphing over all opposition or competition whereas wise men will rather do sacrifice to envy in suffering themselves sometimes of purpose to be crossed and overborne in things that do not much concern them notwithstanding so much is true that the carriage of greatness in a plain and open manner so it be without arrogancy and vain glory 
doth draw less envy than if it be in a more crafty and cunning fashion. For in that course a man doth but disavow fortune, and seemeth to be conscious of his own want and worth, and doth but teach others to envy him. Lastly, to conclude this part, as we said in the beginning, that the act of envy had somewhat in it of witchcraft, so there is no other cure of envy, but the cure of witchcraft. And that is, to remove the lot, as they call it, and lay it upon another. For which purpose the wiser sort of great persons bring in ever upon the stage somebody upon whom to derive the envy that would come upon themselves. Sometimes upon ministers and servants, sometimes upon colleagues and associates, and the like. And for that turn there are never wanting some persons of violent and undertaking natures who, so that they may have power and business, will take it at any cost. Now, to speak of public envy. There is yet some good in public envy, whereas in private there is none. For public envy is an ostracism, that eclipseth men when they grow too great. And therefore it is a bridle also to great ones to keep them within bounds. This envy, being in the Latin word invidia, goeth in the modern language by the name of discontentment, of which we shall speak in handling sedition. It is a disease in a state, like to infection. For as infection spreadeth upon that which is sound, and tainteth it, so when envy is gotten once into a state, it traduceth even the best actions thereof, and turneth them into an ill odor. And therefore there is little won by intermingling of plausible actions. For that doth argue but a weakness and fear of envy, which hurteth so much the more, as it is likewise usual in infections, which if you fear them, you call them upon you. This public envy seemeth to be chiefly upon principal officers or ministers, rather than upon kings and estates themselves. But this is a sure rule, that if the envy upon the minister be great, when the cause of it in him is small, or if the envy be general in a manner upon all the ministers of an estate, then the envy, though hidden, is truly upon the state itself. And so much of public envy or discontentment, and the difference thereof from private envy, which was handled in the first place. We will add this in general, touching the affection of envy, that of all other affections, it is the most importune and continual. For of other affections, there is occasion given but now and then, and therefore it is well said, invidia festos dies non agit. For it is ever working upon some or other, and it is also noted that love and envy do make a man pine, which other affections do not, because they are not so continual. It is also the vilest affection, and the most depraved, for which cause it is the proper attribute of the devil, who is called the envious man that soweth tares amongst the wheat by night, as it always cometh to pass that envy worketh subtly, and in the dark, and to the prejudice of good things, such as is the wheat. Essay 10 Of Love The stage is more beholding to love than the life of man. For as to the stage, love is ever a matter of comedies, and now and then of tragedies. But in life it doth much mischief, 
sometimes like a siren, sometimes like a fury. You may observe that amongst all the great and worthy persons, whereof the memory retaineth, either ancient or recent, there is not one that hath been transported to the mad degree of love, which shows that great spirits and great business do keep out of this weak passion. You must accept, nevertheless, Marcus Antonius, the half-partner of the empire of Rome, and Appius Claudius, the December and lawgiver, whereof the former was indeed a voluptuous man, and inordinate, but the latter was an austere and wise man. And therefore it seems, though rarely, that love can find entrance, not only in an open heart, but also into a heart well fortified, if watch be not well kept. It is a poor saying of Epicurus, Satis magnum, alter alteri, theatrum sumus, as if man, made for the contemplation of heaven and all noble objects, should do nothing but kneel before a little idol, and make himself a subject, though not of the mouth, as beasts are, yet of the eye, which was given him for higher purposes. It is a strange thing to note the excess of this passion, and how it braves the nature and value of things by this, that the speaking in a perpetual hyperbole is comely in nothing but in love. Neither is it merely in the phrase, for whereas it hath been well said, that the arch-flatterer, with whom all the petty flatterers have intelligence, is a man's self, certainly the lover is more. For there was never proud man thought so absurdly well of himself, as the lover doth of the person loved, and therefore it is well said, that it is impossible to love and to be wise. Neither doth this weakness appear to others only, and not to the party loved, but to the loved most of all, except the love be reciprocate. For it is a true rule that love is ever rewarded either with the reciprocate or with an inward and secret contempt. By how much the more men ought to beware of this passion, which loseth not only other things, but itself. As for the other losses, the poet's relation doth well figure them, that he that preferred Helena quitteth the gifts of Juno and Pallas. For whosoever esteemeth too much of amorous affection, quitteth both riches and wisdom. This passion hath his floods, in very times of weakness, which are great prosperity and great adversity, though this latter hath been less observed both which times kindle love, and make it more fervent, and therefore show it to be the child of folly. They do best, who, if they cannot but admit love, yet make it keep quarters, and sever it wholly from their serious affairs, and actions of life. For if it check once with business, it troubleth men's fortunes, and maketh men that they can no ways be true to their own ends. I know not how, but martial men are given to love. I think it is but as they are given to wine, for perils commonly ask to be paid in pleasures. There is in man's nature a secret inclination and motion towards love of others, which, if it be not spent upon some one or a few, doth naturally spread itself towards many, and maketh men become humane and charitable, as is seen sometimes in friars. Nuptial love maketh mankind, friendly love perfecteth it. 
but wanton love corrupteth and embaseth it. Essay 11 Of Great Place Men in great place are thrice servants, servants of the sovereign or state, servants of fame, and servants of business so as they have no freedom neither in their persons, nor in their actions, nor in their times. It is a strange desire to seek power and to lose liberty, or to seek power over others and to lose power over a man's self. The rising unto place is laborious, and by pains men come to greater pains, and it is sometimes base, and by indignities men come to dignities. The standing is slippery, and the regress is either downfall, or at least an eclipse, which is a melancholy thing. Come non sis qui furis, non esse cur vilis vivere. Nay, retire men cannot when they would, neither will they when it were reason, but are impatient of privateness, even in age and sickness, which require the shadow, like old townsmen, that will be still sitting at their street door, though thereby they offer age to scorn. Certainly great persons had need to borrow other men's opinions to think themselves happy, for if they judge by their own feeling, they cannot find it. But if they think with themselves what other men think of them, and that other men would fain be as they are, then they are happy, as it were, by report when perhaps they find the contrary within. For they are the first that find their own griefs, though they be the last that find their own faults. Certainly men in great fortunes are strangers to themselves, and while they are in the puzzle of business they have no time to tend their health either of mind or body. Ili mors gravis incubat qui notus nimis omnibus Ignatus moritur sibi. In place there is license to do good and evil, whereof the latter is a curse, for in evil the best condition is not to win, the second not to can. But power to do good is the true and lawful end of aspiring, for good thoughts, though God accept them, yet towards men are little better than good dreams, except they be put into act and that cannot be without power and place as the vantage and commanding ground merit and good works is the end of a man's motion and conscience of the same is the accomplishment of man's rest for if a man can be partaker of god's theatre he shall likewise be partaker of god's rest et conversus deus ut aspiceret opera quae fesserunt Menus sue, vidit quod omnia, essent bona nimis, and then the Sabbath. In the discharge of thy place, set before thee the best examples, for imitation is a globe of precepts, and after a time, set before thee thine own example, and examine thyself strictly, whether thou didst not best at first. Neglect not also the examples of those that have carried themselves ill in the same place, not to set off thyself by taxing their memory, but to direct thyself what to avoid. 
reform therefore without bravery or scandal of former times and persons but yet set it down to thyself as well to create good precedents as to follow them reduce things to the first institution and observe wherein and how they have degenerate but yet ask counsel of both times of the ancient time what is best and of the latter time what is fittest seek to make thy course regular that men may know beforehand what they may expect but be not too positive or peremptory and express thyself well when thou digressest from thy rule preserve the right of thy place but stir not questions of jurisdiction and rather assume thy right in silence and de facto than voice it with claims and challenges preserve likewise the rights of inferior places and think it more honor to direct in chief than to be busy in all embrace and invite helps and advices touching the execution of thy place and do not drive away such as bring the information as meddlers but accept of them in good part the vices of authority are chiefly four delays corruption roughness and facility for delays give easy access keep times appointed go through with that which is in hand and interlace not business but of necessity for corruption do not only bind thine own hands or thy servants hands from taking but bind the hands of suitors also from offering for integrity used doth the one but integrity professed and with a manifest detestation of bribery doth the other and avoid not only the fault but the suspicion whosoever is found variable and changeth manifestly without manifest cause giveth suspicion of corruption therefore always when thou changest thine opinion or course profess it plainly and declare it together with the reasons that move thee to change and do not think to steal it a servant or a favorite if he be inward and no other apparent cause of esteem is commonly thought but a byway to close corruption for roughness it is a needless cause of discontent severity breedeth fear but roughness breedeth hate even reproofs from authority ought to be grave and not taunting as for facility it is worse than bribery for bribes come but now and then but if importunity or idle respects lead a man he shall never be without as solomon saith to respect persons is not good for such a man will transgress for a piece of bread it is most true that was anciently spoken a place showeth the man and it showeth some to the better and some to the worse omnium consensu capax imperii nisi imperaset saith tacitus of galba but of vespian he saith solus imperantium vespanius mutatus in milius though the one was meant of sufficiency the other of manners and affection it is an assured sign of a worthy and generous spirit whom honor amends for honor is or should be the place of virtue and as in nature things move violently to their place and calmly in their place so virtue in ambition is violent in authority settled and calm all rising to great place is by a winding star 
and if there be factions, it is good to aside a man's self whilst he is in the rising, and to balance himself when he is placed. Use the memory of thy predecessor fairly and tenderly, for if thou dost not, it is a debt will sure be paid when thou art gone. If thou have colleagues, respect them, and rather call them when they look not for it, than exclude them when they have reason to look to be called. Be not too sensible, or too remembering, of thy place in conversation, and private answers to suitors. But let it rather be said, when he sits in place, he is another man. End of Essay 9, 10, and 11